This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. We're continuing our series that we're calling How to Neighbor which has been really, really cool. We've been in it for the past three weeks. Today is our final week where we're kind of wrapping up. And so if you missed any of it, you can check it out on our podcast at centralchurch.cc slash podcast. Um, And it's a way for you to kind of catch up and see what's going on. So if I say some things and it rises some questions, just catch up with us there and uh, we'll all be on the same page. But essentially we started this thing by saying, listen, the foundation of our entire series, the foundation of this entire discussion is an answer that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 20 when he's asked, you know, what's the most important thing? What's the most important thing? And Jesus comes back and he says, essentially, love God and love people. Love God and love people. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And we said, these are the two most important things that Jesus lays out there. And so in week one, we said, well, how do we do this? How do we neighbor? How do we do this the right way? Because over time, Christianity has gotten it so twisted and so screwed up. And and we're just really, really crappy neighbors a lot of times, right? We're not defined by being good neighbors. And so in week one, we said, our perspective needs to shift. And our perspective needs to be a perspective of love. Love needs to permeate anything and everything that we are, anything and everything that we do. Love, the most important. And then in week two, we said, okay, so our perspective is love. What's our protocol? Our protocol, which is our systems and our our, um, designs and our practices and our kind of our go-to response, being proactive and reactive, our protocol is service. We said that we need to be others-focused. This is not our world and everyone else just lives in it. Right? And we looked at the example of Jesus for that. And then in week three, so we said our perspective is love, our protocol is service. In week three, we said our position is mercy. We talked about how I get asked all the time, what, where do you stand on this? Where do you stand on that? And we said, rather than asking where you stand on something, maybe we should change the question and say, well, who do you stand with? Because if we're following Jesus and look at who he is standing with, it's a lot different than maybe where you think you stand on certain things. And so we said our perspective needs to be love, our protocol needs to be service, and our position needs to be that of mercy. And so if you missed any of that stuff, you can catch it up on the podcast. But today, what we're going to do is we're talking about practicality, keeping with the alliteration, keeping with the, all the P principles. Um, today, we're talking about practicality. And so my personality is that I'm bent toward practicality. I'm a guy of like lists. There are a few things in life that give me greater joy than making a list and then crossing something off of that list. I'm like, yes, I accomplished something. I got it done. That's awesome. And I have like lists for my lists for my lists. It's incredible. And someone's like, hey, did you get to that? I'm like, no, that's on list uh, 3A, paragraph 2. I'm getting to it. Right? It's just that's kind of the way that my mind works. I'm, I'm, I'm a very practical person. I'm very uh, hands-on. I'm moving and shaking a lot. I don't let grass grow under me ever. I'm constantly moving, constantly doing something. And so my personality is bent more towards the practical side of things. Right? I'm like, do work, make it happen, let's go, let's do this. And so what's scary, though, is that my personality type, the, the, the way that I'm sort of naturally bent, it easily falls into this sort of works driven mentality. 
it easily becomes, I'm working, 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 doing the work for Jesus so much that I could potentially miss Jesus in the process and in the mix of it, right? And that happens to a lot of people that have the same personality as myself. It's a works mentality, and the spirit becomes sort of secondary. A kind of a litmus test for this is if something goes awry in your life and something's going a little bit crazy and it's a little chaotic, what's your first response? Is your first response, man, I gotta, I, what can I do? How can I fix this? How can I remedy it? Because being totally transparent and honest, that's my go-to. How do I fix this? How can I do this? What can I do? Well, how can I make this better? Blah, 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 blah. And then secondary to that is, oh, well, maybe I should pray about this. Right? And I feel like if we're being honest, that's, that's probably a lot of us. I, I know that's the case with me being, tra- you're like, oh, you're a pastor. That's not supposed, I'm a person who is a pastor. And so a lot of times, a lot of times the, the, that part kind of comes secondary. But here's the deal. If we're not careful, we can walk away from church. We can walk away from God. We can walk away from Jesus. We can walk away from this whole deal totally missing the point. We can walk away from all of this totally missing it if we're not careful, because there's so much self-help, right? We talk about this all the time. We say in church all the time, we say, listen, following Jesus makes you better at life. It makes your life better, but it also makes you better at life. And we say that all the time because the truths in God's word speak to us and they change us and they make us better at life. They really do. There's so much self-help that we talk about here. There's so much that you could walk away from and saying, listen, um, you know, be a good person because that's the reality. Be a good, don't be a crappy person, right? We say that all the time. Be a good person. If you're following Jesus, it's going to make you be a good person. That's kind of the idea. And so we say that a lot. We, we spent this whole past couple of weeks talking about be a good neighbor, be a good, like State Farm, right? Be a good neighbor. Make it happen. Mr. Rogers, be a good neighbor. And we say this stuff. We say love people, love people, love people, love people. We say all these things all the time, but here's the deal. We have to be careful because of this. If we walk away and that's all we're taking from this, if all we're taking away is self-help and be a good person and, and love your neighbor and love people and all of these things, listen, it's all about, it's all through, and it's all made possible by God. We can't miss that part because that's everything. That is the part. And so if we walk away and say, oh, you know, I just need to be a good person and love people and love my neighbor, that's what the pastor said, hallelujah, you're missing it. That's not the full story. That's not the full picture. What I want to do is I want to look at the practicality of being a good neighbor, how this actually works, what empowers this, what makes this possible, what makes it possible to have a perspective of love, what makes it possible to have a protocol of service, what makes it possible to have a position of mercy. How does that work? What does that look like? How are we even able to do these things? And so I want to kind of look at that and unpack that a little bit this morning. So let's pray, and then we'll jump in. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the lives that have been transformed by what you're doing here at this church. We thank you for the baptism celebration that we're able to share with our faith community, just an outward expression of what you're doing in the hearts and lives of our people. God, we, we surrender ourselves to you this morning. We pray that you would soften our hearts and that you would open our minds, that we would be receptive to what you have for us today. God, I pray that you'd remove me from the equation, but use me as an effective mouthpiece for your truth. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a letter that was written by this guy named Paul. Paul wrote a letter. Paul was a church planner back in like the first century, right? 
And so Paul wrote a bunch of letters. I don't know if you knew this, but the book of the books of the Bible that end in the IANS, like Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all those, those are actually letters that were written to churches of instruction. And so Paul wrote this letter to the, uh, to, to the Galatians, just like we're in Detroit, and so we're the Detroiters, right? The Galatians are from Galatia, right? And so Paul is writing them a letter saying, hey guys, here's how it works. Here's what needs to be remedied. Here's what needs to change. This is how you need to kind of up your game in following Jesus. And so what he was doing in the book of Galatians, there's five, cha- five or six chapters, six chapters. What he's doing in the book of Galatians is that he's calling the early Christians to come out of the Mosaic law and experience grace, so the Mosaic law is what kind of the law of the land was at that time for the Jews and for, for the people. So the Mosaic law, if you're interested in it, you can find it in the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's known as the Pentateuch. And a lot of the stuff that they were following and believing and, and that were set in the guidelines were kind of outlined in there. And so this Mosaic law, he's saying, you need to come out of that and experience grace. He's saying, you need to come from legalism to faith. You need to stop being held under the thumb of the letter of the law, and you need to experience the grace of Jesus. And so that's what this whole letter to the Galatians is about. And so in chapters 3 and 4, Paul goes through and he's outlining like the doctrine of grace. All of these like ideas and principles and systems, and it's all very theoretically, systematically, and theologically coming together, and he's like, this is how it works, right? This is how it works. This is how grace works. This is what it is. This is how it's different than the Mosaic law. This is how it all comes together in chapters three and four. But then in chapters five and six, he lays out the practicality of these doctrines. And so in three and four, he's like, this is how it works. In five and six, he's like, this is how we do it, right? That's how he comes through with it in chapters five and six. (laughs) Now you see why they don't give me a microphone on Sunday mornings, right? In chapters 5 and 6, he lays out the practicality. He's saying, listen, guys, here's how it works in 3 and 4, but this is how you do it in 5 and 6. And how you do it is by being empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what makes this stuff possible. And so this morning, we're going to look at chapter 5. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I'm going to read large chunks of it because I want us to look at chapter 5 and look at the message of this because I believe that this brings a lot of clarity to how we can be a good neighbor. This brings a lot of clarity to this idea of love God, love people, and kind of how it works practicality. So in verses 1 through 15 of chapter 5 in the book of Galatians, he, he, Paul is, is addressing this idea of freedom in Christ, the freedom that comes with Christ, because they've been in bondage to legalism of the Mosaic law that do this, don't do that, 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 do this, don't do that. Right? Make this sacrifice, make this sacrifice, do this ritual, do this ritual, do this ceremony, do this ceremony, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. And it was like marching orders for them to live by. And so Paul talks in this whole first 15 verses, he's saying, listen guys, here's some liberation from this legalism. Here's some freedom that you can experience. You can embrace this lifestyle of grace. There's nothing you can do to earn this. Jesus gives it to you, God gives it to you freely. It's not about do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. That's not the way it works. That's not God's intention for relationship with you. And so in verses 1 through 15, he lays out this idea of freedom in Christ. And even in verse 14, he quotes kind of the guiding verse that we've been talking about this whole time. In verse 14, he says, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
And so even Paul is reverting back to this. Jesus reverts back to this. It's back in Deuteronomy. I mean, it's everywhere that this is kind of a main theme of the Bible. And so picking up in verse 16. So verses 1 through 15, he's like, listen, it's about freedom. It's about liberation in Christ. There's freedom in Christ. There's grace. There's all this stuff. So he's laying all this stuff out there, right? He's saying, this is true. This is true. This is true. And then in verse 16, he says this. He says, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of sinful nature. So he starts off saying, there's freedom, there's freedom, there's freedom. No more do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that, do that. No more of that. There's freedom. It's awesome. It's liberating. It's great. And so everybody's like, party? Yeah, I'm into that, right? Totally. Sign me up for whatever the heck Paul's talking about. I'm in. But then he comes back at him in verse 16, and he says, listen, but it's by the Spirit, not the flesh. Essentially, he's saying, yes, freedom, yes, liberation, but don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. It doesn't mean you can go for a free-for-all. Don't get it twisted. There's the spirit empowerment here. It's through the spirit. Yes, there's freedom. Yes, there's liberation. Yes, there's a new life in Christ, but, 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 but don't, get it, don't get it twisted. He said, so I say, live by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And then verses 17 through 21, he kind of lays out some of these fleshly desires, which I think is funny because if he's naming these things, if he's writing a letter to these people, obviously he's heard that they're doing these things, right? Because they're experiencing this freedom in Christ. They're experiencing this newfound life. And so he says, guys, that's awesome. There's freedom. It's grace. It's free. It's awesome. But listen, it's empowerment by the Spirit. That does not mean that you can adhere to all the fleshly desires. So in verses 17 through 21, he says, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. And then he says, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, uh, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, d- dissensions, f- uh, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so he says, listen, guys, there's freedom, there's freedom, there's freedom. It's awesome, there's freedom. But listen, you need to live by the Spirit and not gratify all the fleshly desires that come with this freedom. There's a balance here. Let me, come on back now, come on back now. Don't get it twisted, come on back. And he says, all of these things, listen, this is not God's best for you. This is not the way that you inherit the kingdom of God. This is not the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. That's not the way that he wants you to live. That's not the way he wants you to go about your things. Don't honor these fleshly desires. And then he picks up in verse 22 and 23. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit... So he goes through and says, this is what your flesh wants. This is what the world wants. This is what culture wants. This is your natural bend. You want to go towards these things, but the fruit of the Spirit. If you're living in a Spirit-empowered life, these are the things that are going to become evident in you. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. He says, that's God's best for you. Not all that other stuff. He does like a direct contrast here to these people. He's saying, essentially, he's saying, listen, this is what you guys have been doing. Not God's best. This is God's best. 
this is what God has for you. This is what God desires for you. This is God's design for you. When you surrender your life to the Spirit, to being led by the Holy Spirit, the evidence of that is going to be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's God's design for you. That's God's best for you. And then in verse 24, he says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature and its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. And I love that passage right there. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, because so often it finds itself very predominant in smaller churches and more legalistic churches that are having a hard time embracing this grace. But when they say, keep in step with the Spirit, I know as a kid, I always thought, and Chris shared this with me as well, that when we say keep in step with the Spirit, a lot of times it was like marching orders. What? two, three, four, got to keep in step with the Spirit, can't smoke, can't drink, can't have sex till I'm married, right? I mean, that was what I was told my entire life, keep in step with the Spirit. And I'm not saying those things are okay, but that was kind of the regiment that was laid out for me that that's what a relationship with Jesus looked like, that you're keeping in step with the Spirit like marching orders. But listen, guys, that's not it at all. When it's saying keeping in step with the Spirit, it's talking about a holy dance, and it's talking about an intimate interaction. It's a relationship. It's submitting to the lead of the Holy Spirit as you're dancing. It's not marching orders where you're saying, it's very relational, very intimate, very close, special. It requires submission to the lead of the Holy Spirit. And then I love that at the end of that passage, he says, uh, since we live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. And he says, but let us not be conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Essentially saying, guys, be good neighbors. Don't be jerks to each other. Don't envy each other. Don't provoke each other. Be cool. You know, chill out a little bit. Hang out a little bit. So essentially, in this passage, in chapter 5, Paul starts off and he's saying, it's about grace, not works. It's about grace, not works. It's, it's about, not about being holier than now. It's about embracing the grace that God freely gives you. That's what it's about. And then he says, but don't get it twisted. Grace is not permission to be a giant turd. Okay? Grace is not permission to be a terrible person. Grace is not permission to say, oh, I'll do whatever the heck I want to do. Glory to God, there's grace for that. He's saying, don't get it twisted. Come on back now, right? He says, the life that you live will produce fruit. And the life that you live should not produce the fruit of all this junk. It shouldn't produce the fruit that the culture and the world says is okay and is all about. The fruit that it should produce should be the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's what your life should be producing. And he says, and if you want to produce that in your life, then keep in step with the Spirit and be a good neighbor. Don't be a turd. That's essentially what Paul is saying here, and I love this because it's so practical, it makes so much sense to my practicality approach because, listen, the Holy Spirit is our most practical access to God. Think about it. The Holy Spirit is our most practical access to God because you have God the Father, who is the Creator and the Father and all of this, and then you have God the Son, who is Jesus, who is our Savior and, you know, God in a bod, right, put on flesh, lived the first century, did his thing. And so you have God the Father, you have Jesus, but then you have God the Holy Spirit. You know what that is? That's God in us. That's God in us. It's God in real time. It's God in the right here, right now. It's the most practical access we have to God. And so the fruit of us having that access, the evidence that we're in relationship with the Holy Spirit, is the fruit of the Spirit. 
It's the evidence that God is in you. It's the evidence of a life surrendered to God. And so if I'm talking through that list and your weekend looks more like the first list than the second, you might need to do some evaluation. If your lifestyle looks more like the first list than the second, you might need to do some introspection here and say, okay, what, what's going on with me? Am I really surrendered to the Spirit? Am I, are these, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, are these things that define me? Are these things that other people would say, yeah, that's who Sam is. Yeah, that's who that person is. That's hot. Mm, totally. Or would they do it in total sarcasm? Yeah, totally. Yeah, right. I mean, think about it. It's kind of like a kidney punch, kind of like a gut punch. Like, ooh. I mean, myself included, I'm not standing up here like, Yes, same as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Any of you know me, self-control, that's a hard one. I said I was lactating earlier. (laughs) Point in case, right? You know, case in point, whatever. Leave me alone, Joan. (laughs) See, self-control, I shouldn't have done that. So I'm not up here saying, hey, look at me, I'm so great. But, But listen, we're all in this together, and that's the reality. If we're living in surrender to the Holy Spirit, that's the evidence that's there. And here's the deal. Here's where I think a lot of times we get off base with this whole discussion of the Holy Spirit and Spirit-empowered and keeping the stuff with the Spirit and fruit of the Spirit and all that. Um, The goal is not for us to act different, okay? Because a lot of times we walk away from church and we say, oh, well, I gotta gotta act different. I'm gonna be a better person. I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna start pursuing love and and joy and peace and I'm gonna start doing, I'm gonna act. Listen, the goal is not to act different. The goal is for us to be different. And there's a difference. The goal is not for us to act different. The goal is for us to be different, and there's a difference. See, the fruit of the Spirit are not things that we're supposed to strive to perform. We shouldn't, our, our, our goal shouldn't be to strive to have more love, strive to have more joy, strive to have more peace. We don't need to act different. We need to be different. The fruit of the Spirit are not these like universal ethical rules that we should use to motivate people. They're not these things that we should use to inspire and challenge all people. Listen, the fruit of the Spirit are evidence that we are participating in the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. They're evidence. They're not goals that we should be chasing after. They're things that should be birthed inside of us as we pursue Jesus. We don't pursue love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We pursue Jesus, and those things naturally come forth. Do you see the difference? Because so often I think we can get it twisted a little bit. We can get it backwards. We can get the cart before the horse and all these other things. We think, oh, I just need to be more loving. Oh, I just need to be more joyful. I need to have more peace. I need to be more patient. No, you need more Jesus. That's what you need. You need more surrender to the guidance of the Holy Spirit because a Spirit-empowered life gives you those things. You don't pursue those things. You pursue the source of those things. We don't need to act different. We need to be different. And there's a difference. If you want to act different, Oprah. Right? You want to act different, Dr. Phil. You want to act different, Barnes & Noble is full of self-help books. Right? You want to act different, you can go to conferences and speeches and TED Talks and all these different things. If you want to act different, go for it. But if you want to be different, if you want to be different, that requires the transformative power of the Holy Spirit. That requires God coming in and messing you up. 
messing up what you think is normal and saying, no, this is the new normal. This is the new you. There's a difference in acting different and being different. And so when we say love God and love people, when we say that's how you neighbor, that's how you do this thing, that's how you do this thing, Christianity, that's what Central Church is about, love God, love people, it must be both. And even more than that, it must be both in that order. Love God and love people. It's not love people and then maybe we can get around to talking about God and Jesus and loving him too. No. It's love God, love people in that order. That's how it works. That's how you become a good neighbor. Practicality, bare bones, plain and simple. Love God, love people in that order. We love God. We surrender to the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit every second of every day. Do we mess up? Yes. Do we say stupid things from stage all the time? Yes. Do we mess up at work? Yes. Do we mess up in parenting? Yes. Do we mess up with our friends? Yes. Do we mess up every way possible? Yes. We do. But there's this consistent surrender, this consistent of saying, God, I'm chasing you. God, I'm choosing you. God, work in me. You know what that is? That's keeping in step with the Spirit. It's that holy dance. It's that rhythm of life, of keeping in step with the Spirit. You gonna step on toes? Yes. But it's keeping the dance going. It's keeping the conversation going. It's keeping the relationship going. And then we can love people as a result. We can love people as a result of loving God, as a, re, as a result of being transformed by the surrender of God. Then we're not acting, we're being. We're not acting like we're different, we're being different because we've been transformed and changed from the inside. And then we can become recognized and defined by the fruit of the Spirit because we're close to the Spirit and the Spirit is producing the fruit in us. And so when they see us loving and they see us having joy and peace and patience and kindness and all of them, when they see this in us, they're not seeing us acting different. We're just being us as long as we're surrendered to the Holy Spirit. We're being different. It's not a goal to be attained, but it's something inside of us that changes. And so when we say in this whole series, you know, how to neighbor, how to neighbor, well, first, our perspective needs to be love. You know why our perspective needs to be love? Our perspective needs to be love because we've received the love of God, which enables us to reflect that love. The God parts first. Our perspective needs to be love because we've received the love of God, and therefore we can also reflect the love of God. Love God, love people in that order. When we love God, then we can recognize what love is, and then we can reciprocate it to him, but also give it to others. Our protocol is to serve. You know why our protocol is to serve? Because Christ's example and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that's how we're able to be others-focused. Because nothing in our world, nothing in our life, nothing in our culture says to be others-focused. But when we surrender to Jesus and allow the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that changes us. We don't have to act different. We become different because we're transformed by Christ. So that's how our protocol can be served. How can our protocol be mercy? Because that's the heart of God. It's not where you stand, it's who you stand with. And Jesus is standing with the marginalized. Jesus is standing with those who are the outliers. Jesus is standing. Jesus is standing with the broken. Jesus is standing with the abused. Jesus is standing with those who experience injustice. That's where Jesus is standing. It's not where do you stand, it's who are you standing with. We're able to do all of that and be all of that because of Jesus first. Love God and love people in that order.
And so what does this practically look like? It practically looks like keeping in step with the Spirit, having a posture of surrender and dependence on God. How to neighbor? Love God, love people in that order. Love God, love people in that order. And so maybe you're in here today and you're saying, man, okay, I need to work on some of that. Some of that might not be the best for me. Maybe you're in here today and you need to work on the loving God part. You're great with the loving people part, but here's the deal. Let me explain that to you. If you're loving people apart from loving God, it's like you're getting a fraction of the pie because you don't really truly know what love is until you're loving the source and until you've accepted the source. You're you're doing an impression of the source. You think that you love people, but you have no idea. And so maybe you're in here this morning and you say, man, yeah, okay, all right. I get like the sociology part of this. I'm into loving and serving people and all of that. But, but he's saying the source is so much bigger and so much better. Maybe you need some of that. Maybe you need to work on loving God so that you can really, truly, deeply, passionately love people in a new way. Or maybe you're in here this morning and you got the love God part. Yeah, I get it. I get Jesus. I get the Holy Spirit. I get God. I love him. I do my devotions. I pray. Uh, yeah, Sam, I'm on point. But maybe you're in here and you need to work on loving people. Maybe your head's so far up in the clouds with God that you're no good to anybody else down here. And that's not okay either. That's on the opposite end of the spectrum. And so maybe you need to work on loving people. You need to put your faith and grace into action and start serving others. Have a protocol of service. Have a perspective of love. Have a position of mercy and be a good neighbor. But no matter where you fall on the spectrum, here's the deal. To be a good neighbor... You want to be a better neighbor? Love and follow Jesus better. That's the answer. That's the key. You want to be a good neighbor? Love and follow Jesus better. Because when you do that, you're going to be a better person. It's going to make your life better. It's going to make you better at life. And it's going to enable you to be a better neighbor. Love God. Love people in that order. Love God. Love people in that order. So if you're in here today and you're like, man, listen, I need to, I need to do work on me. I got to figure this thing out. You know, I need to love God better or I need to love people better. Wherever you fall on the spectrum, we want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. We want to give you an opportunity. The band's going to play a song for you to just do business with God and say, God, let's do this. Whatever that guy up there with his rolled up pants said, I want whatever he's got going on. Whatever he said, yeah, I'm into it. That's all it takes. There's no magic words. There's no special potion or spell or nothing. It's just a conversation. It's opening yourself up, saying, God, yeah, you know. You know what's up, right? Or if you're in here this morning, you're saying, God, we got this, but I need to to work on all the, you're cool, but it's just people I don't like, you know? Maybe you need to do some business with God, too, and say, God, don't just let me receive your love and let the buck stop here, but let me receive your love and then reflect your love in all that I do and all that I am. I don't want to just act different. I want to be different. Love God, love people in that order. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for the time that we got to spend in your word. I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to come together. I thank you for your Holy Spirit inhabiting the praises of your people. I thank you for the promises of your word that say, as we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. God, I pray this morning 
that if people are in here today and they're struggling with the love God part, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to wrap their arms around you, that they would experience you in a real way right now. God, I pray if there's people in this room who are struggling with the love people part, that they would be able to receive your love and reflect your love in a very real, tangible, and practical way. God, I pray for all of us this morning that we would leave encouraged, challenged, changed to be the best neighbors we could possibly be. God, we surrender ourselves for you to do work in us today. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe.